For more than 25 years, residents in the five college area have been getting food brought to their door by Delivery Express. Customers can order from over 85 Pioneer Valley restaurant locations. Almost every local spot in downtown Amherst is available to eat without having to leave your own home using Delivery Express. Online orders can be placed at DeliveryExpress.com. Phone orders are available through their iOS app or by calling 413-549-0077. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to WMA Sports. This is the football show. My name is Jesse Kolodkin. I'm joined today by Kyle Miller and Nicholas Beal. It's going to be a good one, folks. Discuss that UMass Liberty game coming up next Friday. We'll post Thanksgiving football for you, but the biggest story, of course, UMass and Florida Atlantic University faced off this past Friday at 8 p.m. It was a late-night game down in Boca Raton, Florida. Nick Beal and I were on the call for that one, and it was not at all the game I think anybody thought it was going to be. 24-2 to was the final score. FAU won that one in a defensive slugfest. Absolutely, for my money, one of the three best defensive performances I've ever seen at UMass. Utterly outstanding was the UMass defense in every phase. Just got worn down at the end because the offense couldn't get anything going. Nick, you were on the call with me. What were you, what was one of your major takeaways uh, from the UMass offense? Well, I I think the biggest thing about the UMass offense was Friday night, they really couldn't get in a rhythm. Um, And I think it was really tough for them to stay on the field for an extended period of time. We saw a lot of three and outs, and we just saw a lot of inconsistencies on first down. And I think that really ended up shooting them in the foot down the stretch because uh, really couldn't allow their defense kind of catch their breath. And I think uh, it hurt them a lot going forward. Yeah, I mean, UMass on third down, that was always a rough one. They went three of 15 on third down conversions. Um, The run game, there was really no – offensive line couldn't get any push. Ellis Merriweather had had 14 carries for 48 yards, but it really wasn't anything to write home about. Just um, everything the defense did well, the offense did not do well. Yeah, let me read out the drive chart for you guys. This is just UMass. Punt, punt, turnover on downs. Punt, 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 punt. That was six punts in a row for you. Uh, Switched up with the turnover on downs. Interception, punt, punt interception uh and that last interception was they could have probably put up a garbage time either touchdown or field goal really really nail them coffin there offensively a complete mess you know coming into this game we were talking about will coke he showed some promise against marshall and you know could maybe the quarterback of the future at least they like what they saw this game was just you know on the one hand you absolutely have to credit the fau defense because they were completely and utterly just locked down no matter what UMass tried to do. Receivers weren't getting separation. Offensive line wasn't getting a push. Running backs weren't getting in to op- you know, into the open field. But the, the, uh, the UMass offense also, you know, didn't do themselves any favors. A lot of penalties, the, you know, uh, dropped passes and poor execution. And Will Coke very much looked off target uh, on a bunch of, you know, potentially big throws. Uh, you know, I'll kick it off to you first, Kyle. Garrett Zero came in at the end of the game to see what he can do. He's also a freshman. There's still Josiah Johnson uh, on the depth chart. Do we think that 
you know, there's a potential quarterback change coming in, in their last game of the season against Liberty? I think they're going to use all their options, but I do think that Will Coke will get the start. He'll get probably the majority of the offensive snaps. I mean, he only had 67 yards passing. Again, kind of a repeat of the Georgia Southern game. I know it was Mike Fallon in, but that passing offense wasn't great. Um, under through, over through balls, um, that third quarter interception when they were driving down, you just got to throw that away. You know, you're going to, but you learn that with experience. So I think, yeah, it didn't have a great game, but I think we'll be seeing him out there against Liberty. Certainly. And with one game remaining, you'd really like to see them uh, just give Coke another shot just because at this season, uh, at this point in the season too, when he still has four years of eligibility, uh, Walt Bell's talked about it. This is almost an extra year for him to really get those time, get that time and get those game reps and get that experience to the point where he's going to be comfortable making these situations and these big plays down the road. But with that being said, Kyle, I do agree with you that I wouldn't be shocked if they really used all their options and they maybe threw Jiro in there. And uh, I, I mean, we might see some Mike Fallon too, because he is a senior. So you might try to set him off on a good note. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting. You know, we, we say this is the UMass's final game of the season. It is certainly their only other planned game of the season. You know, people have been talking about maybe BYU, maybe Army, but Liberty definitely going to be the last uh, official game of the season so far. And, you know, it's Thanksgiving time, which is generally when non- uh, New York, uh, not New Year Six, but non-bowl game teams kind of end off their season. So it would make sense for this to be their last game. Play just four games, but yeah, you know, a young team. Uh, I think you have a point there, you know, Will Coke didn't play well this, this game, but you got to get him his reps, see what he can do. It is a free year. So this, I mean, this is kind of like a perfect, you know, actually this really is a redshirt year in a way, because in redshirt season, you can only play up to four games and still be a redshirt. So he's just going to play in four different games and be a redshirt. So that's kind of perfect in a way. Um, I, however, would still hope that they put in a couple of different quarterbacks against Liberty, especially if Will Coke looks like he did against FAU I would definitely put in a, a couple other quarterbacks, see what you have with Garrett Zero, see if Josiah Johnson can do it. You know, maybe you like him better at tight end. Maybe, you know, that he, you know, he's not your quarterback of the future, but give him a shot, give him a chance. You know, what's the worst that could happen? Once again, not a lot to talk about on the UMass offensive side of things. You know, it, I, there, there was one positive, which was uh, Jermaine O.C. Johnson was back. O.C. was a game time decision against, uh, Georgia Southern and he played against Marshall but Bell said he probably wasn't fully healthy and you could see it he didn't have a huge impact but he was back fully healthy today and he absolutely had an impact eight receptions 42 yards they got him the ball on little screen passes they tried to give it get into him downfield he was everywhere uh, a, a huge boost for the Minutemen you know if they could connect a little more on offense he probably would have had a much better day uh, in, in the stat room but the real thing about UMass we have to talk about is defense and special teams because they absolutely were outstanding in every facet of the game. You say special teams doesn't matter. George Rogopoulos was a monster. He had two 50-plus yard punts. He punted 10 times, averaged 41.4 yards, had a long of 60. That is incredible. At the NFL level, that's incredible to punt 10 times still average almost 42 yards per punt that is special and the man of the hour the man of the game tanner davis 
uh, uh, Nick, you were on the call for me. We were freaking out in, in the booth for that one. Uh, Tanner Davis with the only points for the Minutemen. How well did he play against the Owls? Yeah, I mean, Tanner Davis is flying all over the place uh, on almost every every side of the ball, really. Defensively, special teams, he was out there flying around like a maniac, uh, really laying the hits. But he was the only one that could really provide that spark that UMass needed down the stretch with that block punt. Unfortunately, it couldn't add to much. And looking back at it, it would have been nice for that to be a score. Um, but to be honest, him putting up the safety was the play of the game. And at the end of the game, we were talking about who we thought our MVPs were going to be. And personally, if Tanner Davis didn't get that safety, it would have been George Georgiopoulos because, I mean, the way he was able to flip the field all night and really keep FAU pinned to their side of the field was really critical in UMass's great defensive play all game, I'd say. Yeah, Tanner Davis, play the, play of the season for UMass, I think I'd have to say. Just a beautiful block punt, got it all. Um, on the defensive side, Uchenna Ezwike, I think, had a great coming out party. 11 tackles, two and a half tackles for loss. And a brutal sack on Posey. He nailed him right on the blind side, forced a fumble. He's young. He's a sophomore. You need these players to develop, you know. Um, Tanner Davis, too, another sophomore. You know, these underclassmen are starting to make plays. And it's going to it's gonna help for the future and for the development of the UMass team. Couldn't agree more. Uh, Tanner Davis had uh, – to go with the safety, he had a one-and-a-half uh, tackles for loss, six total tackles. He was flying all over the field. Uh, Avian Paya had himself a day too. One sack, seven total tackles, three TFLs. He was a monster in the backfield. He had one very stupid uh, face mask. Shouldn't have done that. But still, he made up for it a couple of plays later. He was everywhere. And I mean, talk about a guy UMass missed. And we didn't even realize how much they missed him. Jake Bizco was back and he didn't look like he had missed any time whatsoever eight total tackles three tackles for loss as well one sack for five yards it was incredible to see him back there I haven't seen him play that well in a long time he instant impact for this minute front seven which is exactly what they needed because a lot of young and developing guys and he just completely dominated in every facet against a pretty solid you know FAU offensive line that has averaged over 200 yards rushing every game this season uh, and they they got there uh, the the you know this past friday so the fact that they could do that against such a great offensive line absolutely astounding uh, let's talk about jv on posey he was in i think a mixed bag at times um with the way that they played him very surprised that they played him the whole game uh he especially i mean once again six sacks for umass which probably is a high that hasn't been hit in a while and Posey you know he's a former wide receiver he's not the largest guy they left him out there even though it was clear that UMass wasn't going to come back he got beat up uh, and you know give him credit for his toughness but uh, you gotta wonder why uh, for a run first quarterback he wasn't uh, pulled at the end there but what do you got what do you guys see out of Posey well I thought at the start I think after that seven he had the 70 yard rip for the touchdown. That was a great play. But other than that, I really didn't see that much from him. He had a lot of pressure throughout the game from UMass. UMass did a great job um, pressuring him, but he was overthrowing balls. He was careless at times. There were times where he tried to like do a spin move and just throw the ball up and um, credit to UMass for the coverage. I think Josh Wallace and Noah Boykin both had really good games, but 
I think that because we stopped the run so well, the pass was very, I didn't think it was that effective for FAU. Yeah, I agree with those points. Um, and I, I really think it just boils down to UMass's defense really seemed to have an identity on Friday night as a great run-stopping defense. And I, I really thought they played well on several facets of the game. Um, I thought Noah Boykin and Josh Wallace played well. Um, there were some uh, defensive pass coverage breakdowns, but honestly, I said to Jesse on the broadcast, I really think that was just a result of the defense being tired. Uh, really the big plays they let up were right after three and outs by the offense, that 70 yard, by, uh, that 70 yard run by Posey. They really had no rest get out there. And then that big deep ball to TJ chase, the Clemson graduate at wide out who was sensational all night, but Josh Wallace and Noah Boykin were over him all night. His only really big catch was after a big rip play too. So Kind of tough to get that uh, balance on the UMass defense, but overall, Jesse made a good point. Six sacks. I mean, you never really see that out of UMass defense, and I do really think that Jake Bisco brought that energy from the defensive line standpoint, and his experience really elevated the play of everybody else on that line. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up TJ Chase. Four catches, 79 yards, but he had a long of 49. So when you look at it, you know, it was really three catches for 30 yards. The one big play he had, Tristan Armstrong was on him, who is a nice developing player, but he's not Josh Wallace or Noah Boykin in terms of coverage. So UMass definitely has a couple of nice developing corners that they, that they should be able to, you know, keep around for the foreseeable future. And on the run game, you know, Posey, 19 carries, 145 yards and a touchdown. Take out that 70-yard run, he's at, you know, 75 yards on 18 carries, which is a lot, but it's not, you know, that's not all that when you, when you really think about it. And no other running back had more than 35 yards rushing, Right. UMass's defense did one hell of a job against a great team. And Posey was 13 for 27 for 203 yards. Take out that, once again, that one big pass play of 49 yards. And he's 12 of 26 for 152 yards. They really locked down, you know. And, I I mean, Bill's an offensive coach uh, by trade at least. But if UMass can – start to put together an offense this is this is a really good look for the Minutemen you know at least they have something go right you know you can talk about moral victories Bell won't but but we can talk about moral victories against Marshall and to come back and to just have two out of the three facets of the game defense and special teams absolutely just dominate like that that is that is a real victory you know, that is tangible progress. You can say, look, we took a team that is earning AP top 25 votes for the past five weeks, and we are killing them in a couple, fa- you know, of the major facets of a football game. That is serious, tangible progress that I think a lot of UMass fans have been starved for for the last 15 or so years. And, you know, that's a credit to Bell. It's a credit to the coaching staff. And that's absolutely a credit to the players and the defensive players for, you know, not looking, not, not getting down on themselves and going out there and playing as well as they can. Uh, we'll, we'll take a short little break here, folks, but make sure to uh, keep it locked right here on WMA Sports 91.1 FM. We'll be right back with uh, some UMass Liberty action coming up. Hot Table Panini, located on Route 9 in Hadley, is just a few miles away from the UMass campus. Hot Table specializes in a variety of grilled panini sandwiches and also offers a selection of soups and salads. 
For over a decade, Hot Table has been serving paninis for customers all across the Pioneer Valley. Customers can order in-store or by using the Hot Table app to order for delivery. Their menu, store locations, and phone number can be found at hottable.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to WMA Sports. My name is Jesse Clyde, and this is the football show. I got Kyle Miller and Nicholas Beal along with me. We were just talking about UMass and the FAU game. We'll wrap that up very quickly, and then let's hop on over to UMass versus Liberty. Fellas, any any final thoughts on UMass, FAU? Uh, Kyle, I'll kick it off to you first. Um, yeah, I think the biggest thing is you need to get this offense going. As well as the UMass defense played, you can't you can't rely on your defense to score all your points, even though it was just a safety. Um, I think one of the biggest things is Cam Roberson. He only he had a nice. He can't run. He's not great in between the tackles, but if you get him on the outside, you started to get a little co game a little dump pass. He got a first down out of it. So we got to be more outside the tackle. Yeah, I mean, I, I think my biggest takeaway from the FAU game was, despite those stats you're reading out by Javion Posey, I think those don't really do that much credit for the UMass defense. I mean, you mentioned that minus that 70 yard run, his run total is basically cut in half, but there was a point in that game when they brought in Nick Tronti, when Javion Posey sat out a few plays and I legitimately was surprised they weren't sticking with Tronti the rest of the way. I mean, he had the, I mean, he was throwing the ball really well and he was moving the field and he really brought uh, FAU to their first score of the game. Um, so it kind of surprised me when I didn't see him down the stretch, but overall, I think my biggest takeaway from this FAU game is you really have to build on this defensive performance to help formulate your identity. Because overall, this is a seminal game for this UMass defense. It really shows that they can hang around with these teams if they play them well enough. Um, and other than that, I would really just say the offensive play calling. I think the offensive play calling really just needs to get a little bit more consistency. And it really just needs to start to build on some momentum and really just get the, I guess, get the spirits up of the offense. Because it, it seems as though they're so exasperated every time they get on the field. It, it, it almost seems like the wind's taken out of their sail after every three and out. And I really don't think you can have that as a productive football team. You're bringing up a couple of good points there, Bill. Yeah, I was also very surprised about Nick Tronti. You know, he came in when Posey got hurt when the Owls were in the red zone, two for two for 25 yards and a touchdown. And it was a spectacular touchdown catch. That was one hell of a catch by by Brandon Robinson for Owls on Josh Wallace, who made a great play on the ball. And Robinson, as he was falling, somehow managed to tip it to himself and catch it in the back corner of the end zone. But it was also just a great throw by Tronti and it was really weird not to see him stay in the game because he's I mean he's very clearly the pocket passer and if you want to use a more diverse offense you know I can understand it but still it it was certainly quite uh, an interesting coaching decision um, especially when you know JV on Posey was getting beat up the whole night but in terms of identity I think you also make an excellent point this is something I've been wondering for a while now which is what is the UMass offensive identity going to be? Because Bell talked about it being that ground and pound, blue collar, you know, run it down your throats type offense. And, it, you know, for the first two or three drives against Georgia Southern, it looked like that's what they were trying to do. And I think they found it very quickly that wasn't going to work. Their offensive line isn't good enough yet. Their running backs aren't good enough yet. And so I think he kind of feels like, we aren't there yet where that's the offense we can run. So now we're going to have to do some different stuff. And I think they are trying to find their new offensive identity until they can, you know, 
pound the ball and have a great, you know, dominant offensive line. So it's going to be a struggle until they really figure out what they're good at and what they can do consistently. And once that happens, I think UMass can be a very, very, you know, solid team. Until that happens, though, there's going to be a lot of bumps and bruises, which brings us to Liberty, who uh, finally fell from the ranks of the unbeaten. They fell from the ranks of the AP Top 25. They lost this past weekend, um, and they still are – they would be the number 27 team in the country. They were 22, which is their highest ranking ever. They received 31 votes. Um, so that would be 27 if you extended past the top 25. And the opening lines are minus 43 for Liberty. So Liberty is a 43-point favorite over the Minutemen. And they're almost assuredly going to be a pissed-off team the, uh, you know, for losing. Uh, how, how does this game look? Um, well, I think that if you, need to, if you want to beat Liberty, you need to stop their quarterback, Malik Willis. He's probably going to be – the best player that UMass is going to play this season. He leads the team in both passing and rushing yards. He's quick. He can throw the ball downfield. He can do pretty much everything you want out of a quarterback. Um, UMass is going to need to bring the blitz as they did again, um, work for work for a QB spy, make sure that he doesn't go off tonight. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Kyle. And I would definitely say coming into this game, you know Liberty's going to be playing with a chip on their shoulder. They're going to be playing a little pissed off after the result of their last game. Uh, they actually lost on a blocked field goal for the win against Virginia Tech, uh, a result that they narrowly escaped earlier this season. I don't know if you guys saw that game when they were playing. Um, I believe it was oh, – they lost to NC State this past weekend, and they barely escaped the result from Virginia Tech earlier this year when they lined up to kick a game-winning field goal, basically. It got blocked. Virginia Tech returned it, won the game, but it turns out Virginia Tech's coach iced them. So, basically, Liberty lines up five yards closer – kicks chip shot, wins the game, stays undefeated. So I think they've been escaping that for a lot of the season. But with that first loss in the year, you're going to have a team that's really frustrated and is going to come out swinging. And I think what we've seen from Liberty in the past is that their passing game is really good. And especially against his UMass secondary where they're so young, I think they're going to try to test it early on. So watch out for that. Yeah, Malik Willis has been on fire for most of the year. In that Virginia Tech game, 20-30, three touchdowns and then he can do it on the ground too. a dual threat like Posey, but unlike Posey, he truly is accurate. You know, 19 carries 108 yards and one touchdown to go along with his three passing scores in the air. He can do it all over the field. And it was very uncharacteristic of him against NC state. Uh, He had three interceptions, still two touchdowns with three interceptions uh, only ran for 44 yards on 15 carries, 15 carries Uh, Liberty just, yeah, offensively an outstanding team. This is the first time all season they have scored fewer than 25 points, you know, and that's against an NC, NC State team that was ranked at one point this year before their starting quarterback went down hurt, and they're still 6-3. and three. Absolutely, UMass has gone from the frying pan into the fire. I think that Georgia Southern is their only team – this year that they've played who has not received top 25 votes. Uh, You know, you got to wonder too, because this was something that I noticed and I said it on Twitter, Um, you know, in the the press conference, I've been to a lot of press conferences for a while, Bill, been to a lot of media, you know, after losses, after games last year, this year. And that was the first time I've ever seen him truly 
just, you know, uh, exasperated. I won't say defeated because he wasn't defeated, but he was truly just like he looked tired, you know, because he knew exactly how well his defense played. He knew exactly how hard his defense and his special teams and how much they went out there, how much they cared about it, how hard they fought. And there are, you know, the offense just couldn't move the ball, couldn't score, couldn't do anything. And he knew, you know, that's what, you can't waste those efforts, especially in college football, where the entire game is set up. So that defense, you know, uh, their effectiveness is very much limited. And for an offensive coach, I think he knows exactly uh, how difficult it is for him to be in that position, you know, and, you know, he talked about how much he loved the secondary group and the defense and the culture coming to, coming together. And I, you know, you know, I was, there. <laughs> oh boy, I was there um, last year when they lost to a middling FCS program. And that was ugly because that was the first time I really saw him angry. And I mean, he had every right to be angry. You got blown out at home to an FCS team. That's not a good look, but this wasn't anger, you know, it was just like, you made some progress against Marshall and all signs should be pointing that they made a lot of progress on Friday, but it wasn't, it could have been better, you know, like, I don't think anyone expected them to, to beat FAU, but the way they lost was very, was disappointing. And now on a short week, it'd be a normal week normally, but with the pandemic, it's now a short week. You got to turn around. You got to look at at a Liberty team that is pissed off, that can score in bunches. There's an aggressive defense. This is this is a really tough task for the Minutemen, and you got to wonder how these kids gonna are gonna come out and prepare and get ready mentally, even more than physically, to just be able to turn it around and try and go at it again. It's, I, I, you know, if it's anywhere near like it was this, uh, the past couple of games, I will be very, very impressed with Bell and, and with the team. Um, uh, are, are there any, uh, what, do, what do you guys think um, about, you know, once again, the defense and, and how they could possibly prepare for Liberty, you know, how, how they're going to turn, turn that mindset around. Well, I mean, for UMass defense, they got to just do what they did against FAU. They played a very good game all around. They can't get discouraged, be like, yes, we lost this game, but we did the right things. We made good plays. We made steps that could show how we can be this stopping team. So when you go into Liberty, you got to have that same mindset. And I think what we need to talk about offensively, the secondary for Liberty is good. They're not great, but they're good. And I think the receivers, O.C. Johnson, Melvin Hill, if they can create a little more separation, I think we can win this game by doing it in the air. Yeah, and I, I would say just my, my key takeaway from this Florida Atlanta game, I know we're trying to move on to Liberty, but I personally, from my perspective, I've never seen a football point or a football score end with two points on the board. I don't know about you guys. I, I just wanted to ask you guys, have you ever seen that? I've seen safeties. I haven't seen, I haven't seen just two. You know, I think UMass, I think maybe breaking records that we might not want. <laughs> I don't think I've seen it at the college level, but I can't say for sure. And I, there, there was some stat after the game of like the last time uh, a game ended, and what what was scored twenty four to two was it? Um, and I, I think the last time was years ago. But regardless to the point, I mean, Walt Bell coming into this week, he was talking about how playing in back to back weeks. Someone asked him the challenges about that, how that's going to be tough facing Liberty after not having this week rest and. 
he even talked about how there's no real rhythm to the season. And I think you're really starting to see that bleed through into parts of their game. Defensively, they're completely there. Defensively, I think they're looking really sharp. But offensively, there's no real rhythm. You have two points. And even then, Walt Bell, when he's talking about his defense, he was saying that allowing a field goal was a mental win to them. And for the defense to only put up that many points against JV on Posey, I thought they were doing a sensational job. So I think you build upon that going into the Liberty game. You understand that Hugh Freeze is going to get his guys fired up to play UMass. And um, I wouldn't be shocked for a high-scoring game, but honestly, I can't really say that based on how UMass's defense played last game. So we'll see. I will say one potential silver lining on this short week is, to your rhythm point, maybe it helps UMass get into a rhythm, you know, not having to wait two or three weeks to practice and to play again. They're going to have, you know, just, okay, back to the usual. We're going to get back, you know, watch the film, get tested, practice, and, and you know, go to Liberty. And maybe that'll help them uh, get back into a rhythm for things and get back to, to being able to keep some momentum going into the next game, build on a positive performance. Um, that'll be it. I'll, I'll leave it at that for – uh, UMass football, uh, once again, will be on the call uh, this coming Friday. I'm not exactly sure who will be on the call, but we will be on the call uh, when they, when UMass takes on Liberty. It's coming Friday, so stay tuned for that. It's at 12 p.m. on the 27th. Uh, I do want to talk about some college football real quick because one of the best games of the season, most likely, Ohio State and Indiana uh, took it on this past Saturday, and what a game that was! I, you got to give credit to Indiana because I, I mean, you know, they were down twenty-four or twenty-one-seven going into the second half, and it was just it, it looked like it was you know that was it it was going to be over, and Indiana came back so many times they shut out. Ohio State in the fourth quarter, they just couldn't quite put the game away. Michael Penix Jr., 491 passing yards, five touchdowns. The game changer, though, was a pick six that sealed the deal for uh, Ohio State. And this was the this was a weird game, too, because Justin Fields did not look good. He was the probably runaway Heisman candidate with Trevor Lawrence hurt, and he had two touchdowns, 300 passing yards, but he had three uh, interceptions. And, you know, if a penalty goes wrong here, if Phoenix doesn't throw that pick, it, Indiana might have pulled off the upset. Yeah, I didn't think I didn't think Justin Fields played his best game. Um, he is a very good he's a very good quarterback. I don't I don't really buy all the hype in him. I think when you I don't um, when you see what he can do. Um, when you have, he is probably the best receiving core in college football or one of the separation that they can get that you could throw to them and they'll be open by four or five feet. And I think if you can, he's one of the best players to throw to. He's very good. I don't know if he's good at everyone's set. Uh, yeah, I think, I think Indiana is pretty legit. Um, I think that's certainly what they proved against Ohio state. And while the polls might not reflect it, I think it speaks really highly of their program and I do think it was one of the best games this season. They pulled a little trickery in overtime, which I love to see. Um, and it, it stunk that they couldn't get the win, but I mean, that's, that's what you got to expect from an Ohio state team. They're never going to quit. I don't know if there. a little bit, I think it's a little bit of a hot take there, Kyle. Uh, I don't, I don't know. About, I don't know about that one. I think everyone has a bad day. I think it just means that Indiana is legit. You know, the, the Hoosiers defense 
really went out there and made him uncomfortable for the first time. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, the only thing that upsets me truly is that Ohio – I thought this was one of those games where even though Ohio State won, they should have dropped and Indiana should have gone up because just the way that the Hoosiers played, you know, everyone kind of looks at Ohio State and Clemson and Bama as – a tier above everybody else, no matter what. And Indiana is certainly a couple of tiers below them. So the fact that the Hoosiers were able to, to sock it to them the way they did, I think that Indiana should have gone up a couple of games or gone up a couple of spots in the poll, or at least stayed pat. They went down three, which is a huge drop, but I think Ohio state probably should have dropped a couple spots for that one. And my dream of getting Cincinnati into the top four is still alive. That is scare against UCF, who after a rough start is back on track and looks great as ever. But that'll that'll do it for us, for uh, for myself and Nick and Kyle. This is the football show on WMA Sports. Hopefully you enjoyed. Uh, stay keep you know keep it on 91.1 FM. Hopefully you have a good week. Happy Thanksgiving. Stay safe and uh, take it easy. <laughs>